All right, everybody, now's the time. Brown right, motion, tailback slant. Let's put the women and children to bed and go looking for fucking dinner, all right? On one, ready? Ladies and gentlemen, what is up? Coming to you from the Cosa Nostra studios, I'm Matty Buller, and thank you for tuning in to Almost Wise Guys, episode one of this year. This is our look at the upcoming week one games across the NFL, and we're fired up for another season of NFL football and all the betting action that comes along with it. In this episode, we'll cover the regular weekly picks, talk with the commish about fantasy games, and introduce a new segment called Total Prop Tease. But first, with me as always... My main man from Almost Wise Guys Central, it's Andy the Prognosticator Attridge. How you doing, buddy? I am doing awesome. I am psyched. I mean, it's difficult to underscore how pumped I am. You know, the, the kids, they've got their Christmas. Chris Christie, he's got Taco Tuesdays. Mike Pence has Arbor Day. <laughs> and then there are guys like us. Yeah, warm-blooded, meat-eating, beer-swilling, money-betting football fans. And uh, when I say football, I mean the real pigskin, not the uh, international version of it, which uh, we were subjected to this past summer. Yes, indeed. The preseason has ended. The contracts have been signed, or most of them. Uh, the injury report has been updated. And just so our listeners know, Maddie is so stoked about Chicago signing both Roquan Smith and Khalil Mack, he actually took the Bears' defense in the first round of his fantasy draft. You're damn right I did. The monsters of the midway are back. It's the 85 Bears all over again, bitches. The Bears. The Bears. And for this particular reason, he will not be advising us in our fantasy segment. Fortunately, we have an actual expert offering insights and opinions. A good friend of the show, the Kamesh. Yeah, much has happened since our last podcast. Indeed. Anthem protests have been banned, and then they were not banned. Kaepernick sued the league. An arbitrator rejected a motion to dismiss by the NFL. Nike, the league's biggest clothing sponsor, had contracted Kaepernick to be the face of their 30th anniversary campaign of the Just Do It slogan and will be advertising as such during the NFL games. Yeah, and up here uh, north of the 49th parallel in the Great White North, weed will be legalized in a matter of weeks. Oh, man. What? I'm so high right now. I have no idea what's going on. Amen to that. Uh, in an unrelated note, Roseanne's show came back to the airwaves, as we recall, became the number one rated sitcom on television, and then was promptly canceled. And speaking of Chris Christie... Gambling is no longer illegal in the United States of America. So we could literally bet on whether a particular player might get high pregame, then sit in the locker room during the anthem. Matty, do you think the new legislation will increase our listenership for people who are looking for slightly above average football betting advice? I think people mostly tune in for news of the week. Seriously, if you are getting your regular news from this podcast, you definitely deserve our picks. NFL franchise Jacksonville Jaguars have announced a partnership with Pet Paradise. The deal will see the company create a dog park at the side of their stadium, marking the first NFL in-stadium dog park. 
Pet Paradise Park will host 10 dogs per game throughout the uh, 2018 season and will feature large artificial turf play area, a bone-shaped swimming pool, and palm trees. Pet Paradise employees, including a vet, will staff the park at all times, while owners will have the option of watching the game from their seats or on the south end zone patio near the dog park. Yes, and the proceeds will benefit pets waiting for rehoming at the Jacksonville Humane Society. Is it safe to assume that Michael Vick will not in any way be involved in this initiative? Here's an interesting story out of Toronto. A brothel is set to open in the North End, but uh, sex workers won't be real women. They'll be high-tech sex dolls made of silicone. Aura Dolls is launching what it claims to be the first sex doll brothel in North America, which also houses a nail salon, massage parlor, and a dry cleaner. Quote, we operate similar to a brothel where guests come in. They have their own room, said the marketing director. But uh, we have a TV monitor that plays adult entertainment and a doll. Uh, we'll be ready and waiting for you in your room. Rates range from uh, 80 bucks for one doll for 30 minutes to uh, $960 for two dolls for four hours. Yikes. Um, actually, Maddie, I've done the math. And with his new contract, Aaron Rodgers can get two dolls at once, 24 hours a day, 365 days a year. Wait for it. For six years, four months, and 14 days, or about two and a half years longer than his contract extension. Yeah, you know, he should uh, spend his money that way, upgrading his offensive line. They'd be better than uh, what he's got right now. As we all know, the Packers suck. Absolutely. Finally, Reuters is reporting that condoms in Cuba are used for a lot more than just sex. They use them to fish, ferment wine, fix punctures, or tie up hair. They've become part of everyday life. Quick, someone send that article to Antonio Cromarty. I still don't think he knows what a condom is. I got Alonzo, who is five. I have um, Karis, who is three. I have my, my junior, which is three. I have a my daughter who just turned three as of yesterday. Um, I have another son named Tyler. That's uh, he turns three in December. I got another uh, daughter that was born October 16th named London. Uh, another daughter that was born named Leilani who's uh, two years old. And uh, I have uh, my newborn with my wife. Her name is Jersey. <laughs> All right, time to fire it up with our weekly picks. All right, let's move on to, uh, you know, Charm City. Uh, The Bills are coming into town to face the Ravens, and uh, the Ravens are favored by seven and a half points. What do you think about that there, Mr. Prognosticator? Well... Seven and a half is a big spread in the NFL, and it's not like Baltimore is the powerhouse that they used to be, at least defensively, um, winning those two Super Bowls with uh, with Ray Lewis and Terrell Suggs. But I think, I believe that this year, moving forward, that Buffalo is the worst team. Um, their quarterback situation is tenuous at best. Um, Peterman, eesh, it just doesn't even roll off the tongue right. Now, Baltimore has got, uh, they still have 
what I think is a quality quarterback in Joe Flacco. He's not certainly an elite guy, but he's also got Lamar Jackson breathing down his neck. So um, you can expect him to be on his game, well-prepared. Uh, I just don't see Buffalo doing much um, other than with Shady McCoy. And, you know, you just stick seven or eight guys in the box. You can shut him down, and they don't really have much left. So um, not something I often do, but I will uh, I will lay the seven and a half for the Baltimore Ravens at home. Yeah, it's a tough call for me. I'm not uh, – the Ravens always seem to find a way to win at home, but they uh, they usually eke them out. I mean, They do eke them out, but that that offensive line for Buffalo, I mean, not that their quarterback position is questionable, but the offensive line, they're like a matador, you know, just holding up the, the red flag, waiting for the defensive lineman to come through. And That's Peterman's going to have a tough day, and – don't, don't be surprised if you see Josh Allen by the fourth quarter. The Bills, so. the Bills could kind of save some money if they just put pylons there. Uh, well, yeah. Do you think be... you think the other team would agree to have steamboats? <laughs> do you think Do you think they'd even notice the difference? The other team? <laughs> <laughs> Speaking of uh, how weak this is, uh, what do you think of the over under at forty one on this game? You know, Buffalo's offensive woes, Flacco's anemic arm. You know, I think these two teams could play twice and not hit 41 points. I'm taking the under. Yeah, I'd agree with you. It's uh, it's unlikely that uh, Vegas lines would be set at much lower than a 40 on week one. So uh, that's about as low as you're going to see uh, this week. Yeah, Mo, that team sure did suck last night. They just plain sucked. I've seen teams suck before, but they were the suckiest bunch of sucks that ever sucked. Well, we're heading to Indy where uh, Andrew Luck and his Indianapolis Colts are uh, at home against the Cincinnati Bengals. Colts are two-and-a-half-point favorites at home. And uh, it's kind of interesting, though. Andrew Luck is going to have to throw a real NFL ball, not a nerf. That's true. He will. Uh, you know, he's had a year and, year and a half to recuperate and figure out what that looks like. He's still got his favorite weapon in T.Y. Hilton. I think their offensive line has improved slightly since the last time he lined up under center. And then you've got Cincinnati, and they're not good. Yeah, Marvin here, Lewis. <laughs> here's my rule about betting on Cincinnati or any game the Cincinnati Bengals are in. Don't do it because they win when they shouldn't, and they lose all the time. So it's almost like a, a no, you got to throw your hands up and say, Neh. so this is one of the games that I will abstain from this week. Um, actually, I really like the Colts here. Uh, I think it, when you're getting them at less than a field goal, that's some pretty good line value. Andrew Luck at home, um, I think for uh, I think for sure he's going to be coming out swinging. So I like them to cover. He's had a year and a half to get better, but he's also had a year and a half to shave that stupid beard. And uh, he hasn't done that, so I wouldn't count on him uh, coming out and being just hunky-dory, man. Everybody knows after a year and a half layoff, there's rust. Do you think it's a playoff beard? Maybe he's thinking in those lines. Maybe he's trying to impress some 16-year-olds. I don't know, but he should clean that shit up. Let's move on to New England. Foxborough Stadium hosting the Houston Texans. Right now, the line is sitting at minus six in favor of the Patriots. The over-under is the highest on the board at 51. I don't know, Matt. What are you thinking? I'm uh, wondering about the prop bet on what the odds are of J.J. Watt actually making it through the game without being hurt. Oh, I wouldn't worry about that. Yeah, you think um, he's solid now? I he's think had he's some solid. Of the worst luck ever. He has. 
he has, and but they've got you know they still got Clowney, they got Merciless. Um, I think that defense is is ripe and ready to play. And we re- remember what happened last year in Week One when Kansas City went in there. Um, the Patriots were defending Super Bowl champs at the time, and they got a beatdown. That's true. They weren't prepared, and that surprised a lot of people. I don't know if that's going to happen again, but just with the strength of that Houston defense, I I like this game to be close. I really do. And uh, I might go against the grain here a little bit for what most people are thinking, but uh, yeah, I'll take the points with Texans even on the road, and especially in you know it's 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 hard to do it when it's Foxborough, but. Um, Deshaun Watson, I think, is going to light the place up like a tinderbox. Yeah, dude, I, I actually feel you on this one. I would definitely take Houston with the points. I think they're going to be fired up. And uh, they, they proved a lot last year with how they can, uh, like, coming on it toward the end of the season. And the Super Bowl hangover does exist. And, you know, you also got to wonder when the shine starts to come off the New England Patriots because you can't keep a role going forever. And it's been a long time. Well, everyone says that every year, and look what happens. I, they always end up in the Super Bowl. <laughs> I, I'm not disagreeing with you, dude. It's just – but everybody knows that eventually a good role comes to an end. Yeah. I, I, Maybe you know, when I, Tom I, Brady's 65. If, uh, if I could learn one thing this year, it would still be to find out about what the hell happened with uh, with Malcolm Butler at the Super Bowl. I, oh, you know, I would pay money to find out what happened with that. Someone's got it. Maybe Bob Woodward will do a book on it or something like that. <laughs> this guy's a liar. <laughs> It'll come out sooner than later. Anyway, so that's my pick. Uh, I, I trust that you agree with me on that one? Yeah, I do for sure. I do for sure, and I think uh, the 51 points, too, the highest on the board, as you said, that's a tough over-under. I, I could actually see this game coming in at around the 45-44 mark. Uh, well, you you got to remember that, uh, that Brady put a 505 yards passing on the Philly defense in the Super Bowl. That is true. In a losing effort. That's a Philly defense, so uh, he's going to be able to move the ball. I just... You know, I, I don't trust the running game. They got Rex Burkhead, and yeah. he'll, he'll be all right. But um, so I was running back by committee uh, with Belichick, and uh, you never know what you're going to see. I'd stay away from the total altogether. Yeah, fair enough. Belichick would field the popcorn guy at running back if he could. Oh, you might see it. Peanut! Cracker Jack! Ice cold All right, on to the New York football Giants. Uh, They're home against the Jacksonville Jaguars. And uh, all the Giants are three-point underdogs at home. That that strike you is all right? It doesn't. Well, I I don't agree with the line. And I think in the offseason, there isn't a team in the NFL that has improved more than the New York football Giants. Fully agree. I think that they've uh, they've done things uh, solidifying their offensive line. It's still, it, I mean, it went from bad to not that bad. So on the outside, they've got Ingram, who should be healthy at the beginning of the season. Shepard will be in there. Odell Beckham Jr., who needs no introduction. And then Saquon Barkley in the backfield. And I think he's going to get off to a, a hot start uh, right, off, right off in week one. Eli is going to be Eli. Yeah, he can't chuck the ball down the field as much as he used to, but nor could his brother, and he still won a Super Bowl ring despite that. Um, I think I think them grabbing three points at home uh, is a good thing. And yeah, we think about Jacksonville or Saxonville and how good they are in the pass rush, um, but they were twenty seventh in the league against the run. And 
with Mr. Barkley in the backfield, uh, look, look for them to rack up a few yards on the ground. I agree with you 100% in that I think Barkley's the key to the New York Giants, not for just this game, but all year. If he can take some of the pressure off of Eli Manning and you know keep the linebackers honest during play action because he's a threat, uh, Eli Manning has always been good when he's only had to do timely passes, and uh, you know. But when he's got to throw the ball like Brady, like fifty times in a game, it doesn't end up well. That's his like four interception game and stuff like that. So I think <clears throat> establishing the run for the New York Giants is their most Im- important part of the game plan because that will alleviate a little bit of the pass rush from the Jags. But I agree with you. Giants three points at home. I think that's a gift. I think so too. Right on. Cleveland, the dog pound. Four-point underdogs against the uh, Pittsburgh Steelers. Now there's some uh, breaking news on this as well and that Le'Veon Bell still hasn't reported to the team. And uh, reports have it that there's a lot of discord now in the locker room. Teammates aren't happy with him at all. Uh, quote from Ramon Foster, their, their vet and their player rep. You know, He says, quote, what do you do? Here's a guy who doesn't give a damn. I guess so. We'll treat it as such. I just hate it came to this. He also added, he's making seven times what I make, twice as much as Al Villanueva is making, and we're the guys who do it for him. You don't often hear an offensive lineman get off like that on a skill position player. Now, the line's already moved from plus six to plus four, so obviously Vegas has taken this into account. But that kind of discord in the locker room, chemistry starts to break up teams fall apart i would disagree with you i think that's gonna actually bring them together especially the offensive line uh when it was six i was actually leaning on the side of the the cleveland browns and i and i had been for quite some time even looking at that number uh in the preseason and then when the acid wore off i realized that they're the cleveland browns (laughs) yeah and that's the pittsburgh steelers and then when it came down to four and i'm like well how much does lev bell really mean to the line I'm actually more inclined to take the Pittsburgh Steelers now that he's not playing. I think that that, that offensive line is going to make a point of proving that they can have the backup running back, have a pretty decent game if need be. And you still got Roethlisberger and Antonio Brown for their aerial show. Uh, again, it's Pittsburgh Steelers, Cleveland Browns, 0-16 last year. Let's not overthink this thing. I like, uh, I like the Steelers to get off to a hot start. Uh, despite not having uh, Lev Bell in the backfield. Well, as the uh, prognosticator, I know you pick them all, but this is one of those games I'm going to be staying away from. Um, I agree that your take on them rallying together, that, that could happen. And when you got Ben Roethlisberger, you know, anything can happen because it's not like they don't have a, a good receiving core around them as well. If that old line keeps Roethlisberger upright, they can go downfield all game long. Um, my, my approach with the Cleveland Browns this year, as it is every year, is I got to take a wait-and-see approach. Baker Mayfield hasn't taken any real snaps in live action, and uh, they're completely untested. So to me, I, the line could move. I don't really know because I don't trust the Cleveland Browns. Not with my money. Uh, well, they've won one game in two seasons. Yeah. And that was on Christmas Eve in 2016. Yeah, didn't so, the other team get caught in an opium den the night before, too? <laughs> it, it's possible, but that means Santa Claus has been down the chimney twice since they've won the last game. Um, yeah, I'm not overthinking this one. 
All right, the Purple People Eaters, the Minnesota Vikings are at home against your San Francisco 49ers. And uh, Minnesota, six and a half point favorites against uh, what, and this is me being impartial as a non-Niners honk. Uh, I thought San Francisco made a lot of good upgrades. Well, they did, especially to their offensive line. It's actually now considered to be one of the best in the league. Uh, Far cry from last year. I'm not going to, I'll, I'll get to the game specifically in a second, but I spent the entire offseason listening to pundits slash experts slash whatever you want to call them say, oh, Garoppolo's overrated. The 49ers are overrated. Uh, there's too much hype. You get paid too much money. Well, here, l- let's look into what happened, okay? I'm going to make a general argument for the 49ers this season. So they've got second-year head coach now with Kyle Shanahan, 38 years old. Their defensive coordinator, Robert Sally, is also now in his second year with the team. Special teams coordinator, Richard Hightower, is in his second season with the squad. Guess who else is in their second season with the 49ers coaching staff, Matty? Who? Their offensive line coach, the quarterback coach, the tight end coach, the linebacking coach, the wide receivers coach, the head strength and conditioning coach, the running back coach, and that does not even include any of the assistant coaches. So I'll make a comparison. Picture a thick T-bone steak, Maddie. You could throw it on the barbecue. I'm thinking about it right now, man. I'm getting hungry. Nice, rare, medium-rare steak. Flip it over. Rare. Rare. Call it rare. But even at rare, you still have to let it rest for about five minutes just to let the juices come out, get the flavor in. Well, this offseason was like that five-minute rest for the juices coming out for the 49ers. They're just letting it rest. If you remember, last season, Garoppolo came in. Obviously, he ran the table for the last five games. But he only had about a couple of weeks to work with what I would consider a, re- a relatively elaborate playbook that Kyle Shanahan likes to use on offense. Now he's had an whole offseason to prepare for it. And let's also consider the fact that the 49ers at the beginning of the season lost five consecutive games by three points or less, something that's never been done in the NFL before. And they lost to the Arizona Cardinals uh, on November the 5th. And after that, they'd only lost one more game for the rest of the season. So, obviously, we've got the injury to McKinnon, which really hurts. Uh, Shanahan was looking forward to being able to toss the ball to him on the outside. But, you know, they still got um, Alfred Morris, who's got a bit of gas left in the tank. And his blocking style fits nicely with what Shanahan wants to do offensively. Also consider the fact that you mentioned before with their offensive line, Weston Richburg came over from the Giants as a center. They drafted... Six foot eight tackle Mike McGlinchey from our Notre Dame Fighting Irish. Go so Irish. they got us. So they have a solid O line for Jimmy G. Um, to this game specifically, I think Minnesota's covered more games in the past three seasons against the spread than any other team. And in fact, their at home against the spread record is pretty stellar. That being said, uh, I can see a backdoor cover for the 49ers here. Um, I wouldn't call it garbage time, but maybe late in the fourth, they make a surge. Uh, they get it within, you know, less than one score or one major score rather. And I'm not suggesting that they're going to win out. Right. But you know, Jimmy G's yet to lose a game in the NFL. So, um, I like them. I like for them to have a good showing here. I'm taking the 49ers and the points. 
Well, I won't go against you when you're talking Niners because I know that you know them more in depth than most. So uh, I'm going to stand by that. But, you know, the steak comparison, I just want our listeners to know uh, this isn't a cooking podcast by any means, but look up the term pan sear on Google. You'll thank me later. Mm, pan sear. All right, New Orleans. They're at home against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, and the Saints are nine-and-a-half-point favorites in the Superdome. The Saints are going marching in. I've seen that number go up uh, to 10 on some boards. Let me just double-check where we're at right now. Um, No, still at nine-and-a-half from what we're showing, but uh, nonetheless, that's a big spread. That's a big spread for the NFL. Um, obviously Jameis Winston has a nice three week holiday for good behavior, time off for good behavior. I think that was called. Oh, he didn't um, rape anybody for three whole weeks. That's great. Yeah. Um, so now enter, uh, Mr. Fitzpatrick, um, the Harvard guy, Harvard. There's not a lot to like about Tampa Bay this year. I'll be quite honest. Um, no, they're weak. They, they are weak sauce, a kind of sauce you would not enter into at a county fair. No, and you know what? New Orleans, as good as they were last year, got even better, especially on defense. Um, they brought in some new guys on the outside, and um, they went from having the worst defense three years ago to having a, a pretty good one last year, and now it's got even better. Their offense is relatively the same as it was. Um, I'm looking... I'm looking for these guys to actually make a deep run in the playoffs, and I think they're going to put on a clinic against the Tampa Bay Bucks. I don't normally like laying nine and a half, but ugh, I just I got a hard time picturing this game going any other way. Yeah, I take uh, the Saints at home. I don't. I agree with you. Nine and a half points in the NFL is a tough spread, but Tampa Bay is such a ragtag put together crew. It looks like their GM is a schizophrenic. I think uh, the Saints cover for sure. All right, on to Miami, Liberty City. Uh, The Dolphins are one and a half point underdogs at home against the Tennessee Tysons. What do you think of that, Mr. Prognosticator? Well, I've heard different opinions on both teams in the offseason. Some people are high on Tennessee. In fact, we were high on Tennessee last year. We even called their, their their unlikely win against Kansas City at Arrowhead in the playoffs. But I think Miami's a pretty improved team as well. Um, you know, obviously they're playing in probably the weakest division in the NFL, but, um, you know, they get to play the Bills and the Jets twice. I think, I think this is a gift. You know, you can picture the humidity at the beginning of September in Miami. Yeah, Tennessee's not the coldest climate in the world, but uh, it is still different. And I, I'm, I'm thinking, you, you, if, if you're taking or if you're uh, taking any points for Miami at home, uh, especially against a pretty mediocre team like Tennessee, um, I, I, I like for them to cover. Yeah, I'll go with you on that. As uh, this is one of those games where I'm saying, <laughs> meh. Yeah. What about the uh, LA Chargers? Uh, Three-point favorites against the uh, Kansas City Chiefs. You you like that? It still sounds weird, the L.A. Chargers. It does. 
San Diego. Anyway, uh, great divisional matchup. Uh, I really like Mahomes. Uh, the ceiling's high for him, but the the basement is low as well. The guy's he's going to be good for a couple picks. Um, and obviously you've got that amazing pass rush with Bosa and Ingram, uh, from the chargers. I still like, I think Casey is right now. I, th- I think they're slightly underrated. I think they're going to surprise a few people. Andy Reid, given enough time to prepare, which he's always had this, obviously the, the whole off season to do so in a divisional game like this. Um, the line started at three and a half. It's down to three. Now I still like, uh, I still like Casey. Uh, covering three, even on the road. So totally agree, Casey. They'll keep it tight, one hundred percent. They're 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 not much like they're a playoff team, uh, and the Chargers notoriously get off to slow starts. They do. Philip Rivers, and the, like the first four games of the season, are just garbage for him usually, and then he turns it on. But well, last year, last year, if you remember, in the first four games, three of them were decided by missed field goals by Nate Cading. Yeah. And that could have been a lot different, but yeah, they get off to a slow start. I'm not really so. I think the coaching matchup here is probably the biggest story it, uh, in favor, obviously, of Andy Reid. But um, this is no slate against the Chargers or Philip Rivers or anything like that. I just think the KC's going to have a pretty good showing. So we move to Carolina, where the Panthers are taking on the Dallas Cowboys. Uh, the line has moved up from uh, Carolina, favored by two and a half to uh, Carolina being favored by three points. So we've got half a point movement there just in the last day. Yeah, I again, there's been a lot of talk about Carolina uh, being a good playoff pick this year. Um, Dallas is probably, well, they've lost some guys on, on the offensive line, which was so good the last couple seasons, but due to injury that's uh, been downgraded a little bit. Zeke still Zeke, Dak still Dak, but Dak doesn't really have too many people to throw to, and uh, the the absence of Des Bryant isn't going to make much of a difference. But it's some of the other guys, some of the other weapons that they're missing is the reason why I think Carolina will cover this point, uh, field goal point spread at home. Yeah, if it was if it was in Dallas, I might think otherwise. But uh, Cam Newton usually doesn't turn the ball over as much as at home as he does away. So I'm with you. The Panthers should be able to cover three points. And it's it's week one, so Luke Keekley hasn't had an opportunity to get a concussion yet, so uh, <laughs> he should be firing on all cylinders. To the Mile High City, where Seattle uh, comes into Denver, a West Coast matchup, and the, the Bronx are favored by three points at home. Well, these are two teams that I think are going in totally opposite directions. Seattle, as we know, in the offseason, lost cornerback Richard Sherman, defensive end Michael Bennett, Defensive tackle Sheldon Richardson, linebacker Michael Wilhoyt, tight end Jimmy Graham, and also the retirement of the soul of the Seahawks of the Legion of Boom anchor Cam Chancellor. Now, if Cam Chancellor's absence doesn't seem significant, think about what Richard Sherman said of him. He plays in a dark space. He damages people's souls. Bottom line, they hit 9-7 and seven last year with Russell Wilson playing like a damn superhero, 110% literally. I'm looking for them to regress quite a bit this season. Now, Denver, on the other hand, has a little bit more stability at quarterback with Case Keenum. Last year's experiment with Trevor Simeon slash Paxton Lynch slash Bross Osweiler did not work out well for the Broncos. They're a little shy at the running back position, but they still have Demarius Thomas and Emmanuel Sanders on the outside. Their defense 
although not as elite as it was two years ago when they won the Super Bowl, is still one of the best in the league. I like their chances at home in the altitude here, especially under a field goal. Well, we're at a field goal, I suppose, at this point. Um, I'm, I'm taking the Broncos. Yeah, I definitely agree with you on the regression of Seattle. I think they've offloaded a lot of talent, and you can't expect Russell Wilson to constantly make up for what they're losing. And on the other side, they haven't had a decent quarterback since really Peyton Manning left, and they won Super Bowls with him. With the and defense, I wouldn't even say he was a decent quarterback at yeah, that point either. Very true. But Chris Keenum did very well when he was in Minnesota. I don't see why he can't continue that. And even if he's at least competent, with the defense that Denver has, they should be looking at a playoff berth this year. And I think they started this week uh, covering the three points at home. Washington Redskins, go fuck yourself. Sure, we'd be happy to take your money. Yep, just go to our Kickstarter page. Okay, nice idiot. Uh-huh, fuck you. Bye-bye. The Arizona Cardinals at home in the desert and uh, the professional football team from Washington pays them a visit this week. Uh, Arizona one and a half point favorites at home and uh, they are the new look Arizona Cardinals, aren't they? Well, yeah, they've got a new head coach in Steve Wilkes, uh, new starting quarterback in Sam Bradford, new backup quarterback in Mike Glennon from your bears yeah i'll tell uh, you right now he sucks but go ahead and, and, <laughs> and then you've got and, uh, and tout that guy he better and, not get in or their season just goes right down the shitter and then of course they have the uh the awesome rookie quarterback and josh rosen and in fact the only player still on the team from last year that attempted a pass last season was larry fitzgerald now Across the aisle, you've got the professional football team from Washington who acquired the steady hand of Alex Smith in the offseason. For a team that has done really nothing but flirt with mediocrity for the past two seasons, that's not the worst move. Couple that with second-round running back out of LSU, Darius Juice, and you have, well, a fairly vanilla offense. There's no real deep threat, but you got Jameson Crowder effective in the slot. And although still one of the best tight ends in the league, Jordan Reed is only productive when he's actually playing on the field between the whistles. So after the coin flip, I'm taking Washington on the road. Fully agree. Washington on the road. They've made a lot of good upgrades this year, and uh, I don't see why they can't work out for them. I'm not saying they're going to light the league on fire, but they should beat the uh, Arizona Cardinals this week. We thank Ditka and God for all they have provided. For the food we eat, the air we breathe, and for the domination enjoyed by a certain team from a certain town that hey, starts hey, with hey, a hey, 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 the game starts. Oh, all right, all right, all right, we'll get back to that during a commercial. Enjoy the games, folks. All right, Maddie, here we go. Sunday night, frozen tundra of Green Bay. Not so frozen, but still the tundra. And your Chicago Bears. The Green Bay Packers are seven and a half point favorites. Uh, but did you, know, did you know that the Packers do suck? They're seven and a half, but they suck. But they suck. Here, here's an interesting fact there, uh, Normie. Um, contrary to popular opinion, the G on the Green Bay Packers helmet does not stand for Green Bay. Rather, it stands for what, Maddie? I don't know. It stands for greatness. That's not. Now, that cannot be right. Not to be confused with sweetness. Well, the legend. My language. 
the the legend who anchored the Bears' backfield for more than a decade, also a man for whom Maddie named his firstborn son. It is true. I named my firstborn after the greatest running back in NFL history. So, Maddie, this is your team, your account. What do you think? It's been a long time since the Bears actually dominated the Packers in Green Bay, and I'm not going to predict you know a win on the money line, but I really do like this seven and a half point spread. The Bears' offense is typical Bears. Great running game, but a QB, you know, throwing a checkdown pass, that's even a chore, right? So uh, they can grind out points with that running game, though, and eat a lot of clock. On the other side of the ball, the addition of Roquan Smith and Khalil Mack, yes. Thank you, Chucky. Uh, makes the Bears one of the elite defenses in the league. Uh, add that to the fact that Aaron Rodgers has a weak offensive line and a ragtag group of receivers. I think this Packers squad is one of the weakest they've fielded in the past decade. Uh, expect the Bears' pass rush to keep Rodgers under pressure, and they'll keep the game close. I like the Bears covering the 7.5 points. So back to my 49ers. That's it. <laughs> In San Francisco, you've got Hall of Fame quarterback John Brody, Hall of Fame quarterback Joe Montana, Hall of Fame quarterback Steve Young. You've got your Jeff Garcias, and now your Garoppolo's. We're, we're known for quarterbacks. In Chicago, you've got Dick Buckus. You've got Mike Singletary. You have Brian Erlacher. Now you have Roquan Smith. You guys are known for your middle linebackers, and I think that uh, that signing of Roquan Smith, as long as it took, do you, is, do you know who else we had? Do you know who else we had? Dicka. And don't be surprised because the Bears are so <laughs> awesome. They signed him to a one-day contract this Sunday. He comes out and plays tight end, and he gets 200 yards catching on like 30 receptions and uh, some key blocks. I, I, I predict a Dicka uh, appearance. When he blocks the streaker running across the field? <laughs> Actually, we can just hope no, right but now seriously. that Dick is not going to uh, fall asleep during the pregame show. Yeah, hopefully not. But anyway, I really like the uh, the new look of the Bears. And as you say, they they have they got a great running back in uh, in Howard and uh, Tariq Cohen. He can catch the ball just as well as he can run it. Trubisky, as long as he doesn't throw too many picks, um, they can manage this game properly. And yeah, they can keep the spread under a touchdown. So I agree with you on that. And also, I've. If Mitch Trubisky is listening to this podcast, if you could throw some check down passes to my man, Tariq Cohen, I got him on my fantasy team. Let's do that. Nice. And I know we're not the Food Network, but I predict that Aaron Rodgers will be the meat in a Khalil Roquan sandwich. Yes, guy. Stoppers. Stoppers. All right. Monday night football. It's going to be a double header this week. And uh, the first game on tap will be the Detroit Lions. Six and a half point favorites against the New York Jets. Yeah, the Lions now have a tall, bearded man that sticks a number two pencil behind his ear while holding a laminated play sheet. I'm, of course, referring to the former Patriots defensive coordinator, Matt Patricia. Now, the running game has improved with the addition of LeGarrette Blunt. And keep in mind, their running game has sucked. In fact, they've in the last three seasons, they finished last in the league twice. So anything there is an upgrade. Um, now, obviously, on the other side of the ball with the New York uh, Jets, one of the biggest stories of the preseason was the ascension of rookie quarterback Sam Darnold to the starting role under center. Obviously, that's a big roll of the dice and one I don't necessarily agree with, throwing the kid right in there into the fire. But 
it's uh, it's upside is big, provided he can stay healthy. They've got some new toys at the skill positions with Isaiah Corral, Terrell Pryor, and Thomas Rawls. Their defense is in the top third of the league. Uh, they're a really young team that will need some seasoning. Last year, they went one and seven on the road. Um, I, I look for this trend to continue on Monday. The spread started at seven. Now it's at six and a half. Um, the Jets just aren't good on the road. I, it wouldn't surprise me if they kept this one close, but uh, Stafford has sort of a, a panache for beating up teams that uh, that need beating up on. Horrible against teams with a winning record. That is not the New York Jets. So I will be taking the Detroit Lions at home. Yeah, the Lions really should be ashamed of their rushing uh, their rushing game in the last few years, as this is the franchise of. Barry freaking Sanders and I number twenty. Talk, you've heard that at me talk about my sweetness and how much I revere him, but you cannot dislike Barry Sanders, a gentleman and an amazing competitor. Uh, and where I grew up, uh, I was able to go see that running back in action. And he was so exciting. And when you've got a running back like that, you can take some pressure off of your quarterback, and then maybe he might be able to do something if he doesn't have to throw it 50 times a game and the defense isn't just sitting on the pass. Uh, that being said, uh, you're right, and <laughs> the New York Jets suck, especially away from New York. Brand new quarterback, his first game, and it's a Monday night football game with all that pressure. I definitely would uh, to take, take the Detroit Lions uh, minus six and a half. You get to see Barry Sanders play for real? I did a few years, a couple of years in a row. Well, that's ironic because no one's seen him anywhere since. No, nope. um, that's one of the things I like about him. He doesn't sit there and talk and flap his gums. He just went out and did it and was literally one of the greatest to ever do it. I saw him the one game, it, I could swear it was against Green Bay, but I might be mistaken because I saw him a few years in a row. My dad used to take me. But there was one game he rushed. Maybe it was against the Bucks. He rushed for 226 yards. And I just sat there with my jaw agape, watching literally a conductor do a symphony. It was it was amazing. You know, it is classy signature move, just flipping the ball to the uh, to the ref after a touchdown. Yeah, very very NHL hockey player, right? Act act like you've yeah. been there before, right? Put your head down and pretend like you're embarrassed. You just showed up the team. <laughs> well, maybe there'll be a sequel to the Where's Waldo series for Christmas gifts this year, and we can find out where Barry Sanders has been hiding out. Where's Barry? Hashtag, where's Barry? Hashtag where's Barry? Hashtag where's Barry? All right, the uh, Oakland Raiders doing the second game of the Monday night doubleheader at home. Uh, Four-point underdogs to uh, last year's surprise team, the L.A. Rams. Well, the rich keep getting richer in La La Land. The Rams had one of the best defenses in the league last year, orchestrated by maestro Wade Phillips, a.k.a. Son of Bum. Uh, they've been done nothing but improve their defense with the addition of quarterbacks uh, Marcus Peters and Aqib Tlaib, the big man in Dominican Sue, and now you got Brandon Cooks at receiver, just to mention a few guys. They've still got Todd Gurley pounding the ball, Jared Goff throwing it, although not that far down the field. They are a legitimate Super Bowl contender. Guess what, Maddie? What's that? Chucky's back. He is back. Uh, John Gruden didn't even speak to Khalil Mack, his team's only defensive player on the roster. You would think, you know, with his future team in jeopardy, old Chucky could have picked up the phone and said, hey, what's happening? Uh, 
we'd love, no, we need for you to come back. Now, the season hasn't even started, and boom, strike one. Yeah, and as for Raiders management, like, they'll pay Gruden 100 mil, but they won't re-sign Khalil Mack for 90 mil guaranteed. I foresee Gruden's old, antiquated style of offense will come back to bite them in the ass. It's not the NFL of 20 years ago, and you can't continually pound the rock and hope for success. I know that he looked impressive on Monday Night Football when he was covering that, where every week he would describe plays that had names longer than the Magna Carta, but that nonsense doesn't fly anymore. Yeah, I once again feel sorry for Raider fan where an incompletion is called an immaculate reception, a fumble is called a tuck, and uh, pro bowlers get traded to other teams. And you would think that with the amount of money that owner Mark Davis has saved over the years by getting $8 haircuts, they could have ponied up a little bit more for Khalil Mack. Well, I'll tell you this. As a Bears fan, I, uh, I thank Chucky. Way to go, man. Quality management decision. So bottom line, look for the Raiders to fall short of this four number. I will lay the points on the road with the Rams. Once again this year, we've uh, got our friend the Commish to talk fantasy football. So here's a little segment we like to call Fantasy Time with the Commish. So presumably your drafts have already taken place, our listeners. The smack talk has begun, and now people are considering whom to activate on a weekly basis. So first question for the commish. I think that most NFL fans would agree that this year's class of rookies looks to be one of the most exciting groups in recent memory. Of all the first years that are likely to have starting roles, which one will have the greatest fantasy impact early in the season? Well, hello again, fellas, and welcome back to a new year of NFL. When you're talking about impact rookies this year, I really want to focus on four young running backs. Saquon Barkley, he's more than just an ordinary running back. He is going to be the centerpiece of the Giants offense, a lot like Marshall Falk was for that greatest show on turf Rams team. Barkley should be a first-round fantasy pick this year in all formats. You've also got Karon Johnson for the Lions. He's a great fit for the Detroit offense. He's going to catch a lot of Matt Stafford short passes. This obviously makes him more appealing in PPR leagues. Johnson has looked pretty special thus far. And there might be some Alvin Kamara type potential there. You also got to talk about Royce Freeman at the Broncos. He's been better than Devontae Booker. Though, I mean, that's not saying much. Freeman should start, but fellow rookie Philip Lindsay is going to take a bit of touches away from this kid. And lastly... Sony Michael for the Patriots. Belichick tends to use a million running backs, but given that he spent a first-round pick on Sony, he obviously has big plans for this 31st overall selection. He should be able to function as Deion Lewis' replacement in New England's offense. He's missed much of training camp, but is expected to be available early in the season. Great to have you on, Mr. Kamish. Uh, although early in the year, who do you like for a good sleeper pick or two based on what you saw this preseason? Well, if your commissioner is smart, you wait till the last absolute minute to do your draft. The advantage of waiting until the last second is you've got all the latest in-depth chart moves and any injury update. If I'm going to take somebody as a sleeper pick, I'm looking at Redskins QB Alex Smith. Some drafters are getting him all the way in the 12th round. He's coming off an outstanding campaign, saw him finish as the number four quarterback in standard leagues. He finished the season with over 4,000 passing yards, 26 touchdowns, and five interceptions. 
He's also proven to be extremely dangerous with his legs. In fact, over the past three seasons, he ranks fourth in rushing attempts among quarterbacks. Another sleeper, Colts running back Jordan Wilkins. Wilkins is in line to see the majority of the work in the Colts' backfield in Week 1, with Marlon Mack still questionable with a hamstring injury. Wilkins averaged 6.5 yards per carry and 9.3 yards per catch, with 10 total scores in 12 games at Old Miss last season. He's a downhill runner, he's got good hands out of the backfield, that's going to serve him as a safety blanket for Andrew Luck, who's playing in his first regular season game since 2016. And lastly, if you're looking for a wide receiver, check out Stephon Diggs, the wide receiver in Minnesota. He's coming off his best fantasy season, but I think he's capable of even better numbers with Kirk Cousin at the helm of that Vikings offense. And conversely, what guys who likely went in the first round of most fantasy drafts do you think are overrated or likely to be a bust? Well, if you want to know who's going to be a bust, just look at whoever the Browns draft. Specifically, we're talking about Baker Mayfield. Now, before anybody even thinks about making a comparison, it's got to be said, putting Cleveland Browns quarterback Baker Mayfield atop the list of potential busts from the 2018 draft has nothing to do with Johnny Manziel. Mayfield and Manziel are different quarterbacks, different players, different athletes, and most importantly, different people. We should only judge the top overall pick from this year's draft based upon how well or poorly he plays. That having been said, the Browns have gotten... More wrong than right in drafts since the franchise returned to the NFL in 99. And it hasn't mattered who was running the front office or making decisions on the sideline during games. Cleveland head coach Hugh Jackson has said the plan for Mayfield is to sit and learn while on the sidelines. But I wouldn't be surprised to see him on the field in October at the latest if the Browns was a handful of games in the opening month and a half of the season. The reality, combined with Jackson's inability to mold a QB, could end up being Mayfield's complete undoing. Also keep an eye on Tennessee Titans' Harold Landry. Which version of Landry will the Titans see after taking him in the second round of the 2018 draft? Landry from two years ago could become an All-Pro, an incredible value selection, who was unlucky to drop out of the first round. The Landry from the 2017 campaign, however, could end up being a real bust. Even if those concerns and questions about his motor and about him being a one-move pass rusher aren't sorted out by the Titans' staff, He'll have to learn he's no longer the best athlete on the front line. And how about one for our DFS listeners? Are there any week one player combos that uh, they should consider stacking? Well, if you're looking for a good week one pickup, how about 49ers wide receiver Marquise Goodwin? Goodwin was a huge part of the offense once Jimmy Garoppolo joined the team last season, averaging almost nine targets a game over the last five weeks. He's set to be a focal point this year with Garoppolo at the helm, All season long. In the third preseason game, for example, he had four targets and caught three of them for 40 yards. All right, we've added a new segment this year whereby Andy's going to make a recommendation on a point total, a proposition bet, and finally a teaser. We call it Andy's Total Prop Tease. And we invite our listeners to do the same thing on our Facebook page. A successful total prop tease is any combo that hits two out of the three. Uh, so take out your Swami hat and give us your week one thoughts, Mr. Prognosticator. All right. So for uh, the TPP or the total prop tease, the total is the first thing that we'll, uh, we'll look at. I think with the new rules um, in terms of helmet to helmet hitting and the number of flags that are going to get thrown um, really are going to increase scoring until 
the odds makers figure out how much of a factor this is going to come into play. But I think for the first couple of weeks, you're probably going to see more overs than you normally would. Um, so my first total will be an over, and it will be the one being played in Lucas Oil Field in Indianapolis. And I look for the Bengals and the Colts, um, none of which have a proper defensive player between them, uh, for that total to go over 48. Now that started a couple ticks lower. I think uh, around 45 and a half. It's gone up a bit, but um, look for that one to exceed 50 quite easily. Now, my prop bet is fairly straightforward. As we mentioned earlier in the game analysis, uh, as it related to the New York football giants, Eli's got a new luxury in the backfield, Saquon Barkley. And he's going to have a big day meeting. It's going to take a lot of pressure off Eli. Right now, the line for his total passing yards is 272.5. And, and I like that one to go under. So if you have the opportunity to bet on that, um, that that should be a, a fairly safe one. Now, finally, my teaser, I will be picking two teams. The first will be Baltimore, moving the line from seven and a half to under a field goal at one and a half. The second one is going in the actual opposite direction, and that would be Miami going from plus one and a half to plus seven and a half. Both are home teams, and both teasers go through two key numbers of three and seven. So again, Baltimore Ravens and Miami Dolphins on your teaser. Well, thank you to all of you for listening to episode one of Almost Wise Guys. If you like what you heard, make sure you hit the subscribe button on iTunes or SoundCloud so you don't miss a show. You can also hit us up on our Facebook fan page for additional content and picks from all week one games across the NFL. Thanks to the commission as well for stopping by with his insights and a special thank you to Dave Ward for our retro 80s theme song that's quality songwriting from the Cosa Nostra Studios. For Andy the Prognosticator Attridge, back at Almost Wise Guys Central, I'm Matty Buller. Get out and pick yourself a winner. If you liked our podcast, please share it with a friend. If you hated it, please share it with two enemies. Tune in next week at the same bet time on the same bet channel. Sayonara. Ladies and gentlemen, after the recording of this podcast, it came to our attention that Burt Reynolds had passed away. A consummate man's man who loved his sports and even made one of the classic football movies of all time in The Longest Yard. We love Burt. So we're going to send you out with the theme song from Smokey and the Bandit. It's Eastbound and Down. Rest in peace, Mr. Reynolds. Bandit out. Eastbound and down, loaded up and trucking. Are we gonna do what they say can't be done? We've got a long way to go and a short time to get there. I'm eastbound just like no bandit run. Keep your foot hard on the pedal, some never mind them brakes. Let it all hang out cause we got a run to make. The boys are thirsty in Atlanta and there's beer in Texarkana. And we'll bring it back no matter what it takes. Eastbound and down, loaded up and trucking. Are we gonna do what they say can't be done? We've got a long way to go and a short time to get there. I'm eastbound, just watch your bandit run.
Eastbound and down, loaded up and trucking. Are we gonna do what they say can't be done? We've got a long way to go and a short time to get there. I'm eastbound up, watch on bandit run. Old Smokey's got them ears on, he's hot on your trail. He ain't gonna rest till you're in jail. So you got to dodge him, you got to duck him, you gotta keep that diesel trucking. Just put that hammer down and give it hell. Eastbound and down, loaded up and trucking. Are we gonna do what they say can't be done? We've got a long way to go and a short time to get there. I'm eastbound up, watch on bandit run.